Fathers, how are you feeling? Yeah, yeah, happy Father's Day, guys. Happy Father's Day. Before we go any further, I want to let you know um, we're starting a brand new sermon series uh, today. And so before we go any further, the question I always ask is, are you ready for God's Word? Okay, church, I think you can do better than that. You guys are a packed house, so I want them to hear you across the street, if you know what I mean. Are you ready for God's Word? Amen, amen, amen. You know, God's Word is amazing, and today I want to talk to you about fathers. Uh, in fact, we're starting the sermon series entitled The Family. There's something special about a family, amen? And we are called to be a part of God's family. In fact, I'm so proud and so happy and so blessed that I'm a part of God's family. I can hardly contain it in worship. I just thank him. Lord, thank you for choosing me. Amen? Come on, how many of you can think to yourselves um, something like this? Where would you be if God hadn't chosen you? If God hadn't snatched you, plucked you from that miry clay, saved your soul in a radical way, and if you're here today and you might be saying to yourself, well, you know what, Pastor? God didn't do that much. I, I just want to ask you to reconsider. <laughs> reconsider. There are things in everyone's life that we couldn't overcome without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when I say thank you and I say, Lord, thank you, God, and I'm overwhelmed, I'm saying, Lord, thank you because you chose to make me part of your family. You saw me, Lord. You saw my condition when I couldn't help myself, when I couldn't rescue myself, when I was powerless and hopeless. You came in, Father, and you said, I have a plan for you, son. Amen? Oh, I feel like preaching if you help me just a little bit. So before we go too far into this, I just want to take a, the time and ask the question, are men important? Are men important? Can you agree with me that much has been said about men these days? They have been downplayed, demeaned, disrespected, and ridiculed. The truth is, society has it twisted. They think, and much of society thinks, in order to elevate women, we must lower men. Can I tell you, the Bible says they both need to be elevated. That God desires for both men and women to be all that they're called to be in Christ. And who they're called to be in Christ is more than conquerors and something beautiful. But today is Father's Day, so I'd like to address the men. Is that okay? Can we just take some time one day out of the year and say, thank you men. We love you men. Man, there's something special about you. In fact, our entire infrastructure was envisioned by men. Built by men, managed by men, and maintained by men. To list a few, I'm talking about brids, uh, bridges, roads, factories, cars, the petrochemical supply chain and system, the sewer system, the nuclear power system, the uh, power system in general, building cities, houses, and it goes on and on. Built, managed, maintained by men. 
Who's doing the farming and the ranching? Overwhelmingly, men. That farming and ranching supplies the food that we desperately need to our grocery stores. Who's driving most of the trucks that deliver those goods to the grocery stores? Who built the grocery stores? Who designed the trucks that built the grocery stores? And the factory that built the trucks who drive the food to the grocery stores that we so desperately need? Men, you find it right there. Now, I'm not saying this to lower ladies. I haven't said a word about ladies. I'm saying we can heighten men and celebrate them on their day. Amen? Amen? And so it's men doing the constructing, the engineering, the firefighting, the plumbing, the keeping of our utilities working, and most of the serving and protecting, and don't forget the preaching. That's just, again, to list a few. Not to say that ladies don't do these jobs, but overwhelmingly they're done by men. And most of those men are fathers looking to provide a better life for their families. Not asking for a thank you, just wanting to see a better future for their children. Can I tell you, on this day, we celebrate our fathers. Amen. So I asked the question, are fathers important? Oh yes, they're not only important, they're indispensable. See, our sons need fathers. Fathers help the young men of our society successfully navigate the journey from childhood to manhood. It takes a man to teach a boy how to be a man. Isn't that true? It takes a father to provide our sons with a positive affirmation that only a father can give and our sons so desperately seek and need to receive. Is that true? It takes a man to prepare the young men of our society, our churches, our community for their future roles as husbands, fathers, and most importantly, as followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? See, a young man's relationship with his father determines to a large degree how he will raise his family. But it's not just our young men that need fathers. It's our young ladies as well. Our daughters need fathers. Fathers shape our daughter's first image of men. Fathers shape the decisions that our daughters make when choosing a career and most importantly choosing a mate. Fathers shape our daughter's perception of their self-worth and their place in the world. It takes a father, a man, to provide our daughters with positive affirmation that only a father can give and that our daughters so desperately seek and need to receive. It takes a father to prepare his daughter or daughters for the future and their roles as wives, mothers, and most importantly, followers of their Savior King Jesus Christ. See, fathers, our young women's relationship with us determines in large degree how they will raise their own families. So on this day, happy Father's Day, men. Happy Father's Day, men. This is your day. We celebrate you and we say, well done. Good job. Keep up the good work. Amen? Can we, just, can we just celebrate our guys for a minute? I just see what's happening in society, and, and most men don't even know how to be men anymore. They're struggling between, am I a woman, am I a man? No, you're a man. 
If God created you a man, you're a man. And it's something beautiful to be a man. Can I tell you it's something beautiful to be a woman if that's what you created to be? If that's what you were born to be by God's design. And it's not that difficult. Whoever thought it would be that confusing? That's like when I grew up, it was like understood. It was understood. But that's maybe because we had men in the home saying, no, sweetie, you're a girl. No, son, you're a man. And I want to tell you something, guys. You're not raising boys. You're raising men. And to raise a man, you've got to treat them in a certain way. And society is trying to neuter our young men. Trying to keep them from being men because men make a strong society. I want to start off by talking to you about legacy. Now, legacy is something very important. It's often taught. It's often talked about a lot. But, but maybe you haven't heard it this way. See, legacy, at, at its least common denominator, is, is pretty simple. It's, it's leaving and receiving. Okay, watch. Someone has to be the lever. Someone has to be the receiver. What do I mean by that? A father will leave to his children something they receive. So I want to ask you a very important question. I want you to think this through with me. What have you received? What are you leaving? And what are they receiving? Okay? So this is a generational transition. This is a generational transaction. This is something that has to be passed on. And so in a minute, I'm going to show you what Jesus left us and what we should receive. But there's some choices to be made, is there not? There's some choices. I have to be intentional about what I leave. And my children have to be intentional about what they receive. And the truth is, we get a choice in the matter. We get to choose what we leave. They get to choose what they receive. Can I tell you, my grandfather chose well. My grandfather chose well, and today I stand up and call him blessed and thank God for his, for his legacy that he left to me. I'll talk more about that in a second, but the reason I bring that up is because it's so important to understand this. And as I considered this more critically, I understood that some of my cousins didn't choose well. My grandfather was definitely leaving. He was a minister for all his life, and he ministered faithfully, planted Hundreds of churches and thousands came to Jesus under his life. And he raised his children to know the Lord. But some of my cousins have chosen not to receive the blessing that my grandfather left. They're living despicable lives. And I'm, I'll say it not because I'm standing in judgment, but because the word says it's an abomination what some of them have done. The word is also said, that's not right. Now, am I passing judgment or am I just speaking truth? They had a choice. They know better. Why? Because my grandfather left the good stuff. My question is, are you receiving the good stuff? You might be here today and say, Pastor, I did not receive the good stuff because I didn't have a good father. Can I tell you? You have a heavenly father who will stand in the place, stand in the gap, and say, today, I want to father you. Today, I want to leave you something beautiful. Today, I want to give you something that you might turn around and start a new generation. See, my grandfather was not a Christian. It did not come from a Christian heritage when he, when he first came to this earth. In fact, it wasn't until 
He experienced tragedy. Do you know that many times it's in tragedy that God gives you something beautiful? You might say, but pastor, why have I had such a horrible, hard life? My father was this, my parents were this, or they were absent and this and this happened. Why have I had such a hard life? Listen, that wasn't the plan that God had for you. That was the working of sin. But God will use what the enemy meant for evil to bless your life. God will use what the enemy meant for evil to bless your life. What am I talking about? I'm talking about he is fashioning you and, and he is a master jeweler and he is creating a beautiful diamond out of you. And it's the pressures of life that create that bright, gorgeous uh, stone of immeasurable worth, which is you. This is why the Bible says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Not something you did, but it is God's gift. You have no right to brag and to say, look what I earned. Instead, be grateful, for you are God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do great works. Not good works, great works. That he prepared for you to do before the beginning of time. What am I saying? I'm saying even though you may have had a hard life, today is the day of salvation. God wants to give you a new lease. God wants to take what the enemy used for evil, do, uh, transition it to good, bless your life. And not only that, he wants to tell you, you are mine. I chose you and I call you my masterpiece, my diamond. Your background might be horrible and might be dark, but it's that black cloth that I will display the brilliance of this stone that is you against. Amen? You don't display a diamond against a white countertop. You wouldn't be able to see any of its brilliance. You, it, you, you display it against a beautiful velvet cloth that's dark and and the darkness of your past will only show the goodness of God's grace. Amen? So I want to encourage you today. Leave a legacy. You might say, oh, pastor, but, but you, you have it easy. Your, your grandfather was, well, you have a, a legacy of Christianity. Can I tell you, he was the first one that started it. Now, I started to tell the story, and then I got distracted. The way he became a Christian, he held his brother, his oldest brother. They were six. The oldest brother was gunned down in front of him, he died in his arms. And from there, he chose to let that tragedy point him to Christ. You have a choice. What are you going to receive? The Bible says that Jesus talks to us about legacy and leaving and receiving in John chapter 15. Would you read with me? John chapter 15 reads as follows. As the Lord loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for servants do not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go forth and bear fruit and that that fruit should remain. That whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Legacy. Let's start off with the very first verse. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Notice what he's saying there. He's saying, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. That I also, or so I, in the King James, is saying, um, I want you to know, in like fashion, in like manner, what I received from the Father, I now pass on to you. The way he, in the proportion, in the amount, in the specific nature, in the manner of. Think about that. The way God loved me, I now love my children. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, my legacy to you is my love. That you might pass it on to the next generation. Let me put it to you this way. As the Father has, so I have loved, communicated, been patient, forgiven, taught, spent time, laughed, correct, to lift a few. What am I saying here? I'm saying the way Jesus has been patient with you, you have the beautiful privilege of being patient with your children, fathers. Amen. Amen. Come on. The way God has taught you, laughed with you, been caring with you, been forgiving, forgive them. And that you should go first. Why? Because the lever has to go first before the receiver can receive. Now, why am I preaching this? Because it's easy for us to forget. Now, where do we get the idea that that this is the way we should be? It's from God's Word. And this is something very, very important that God's Word says you should do it in a certain way, which leads us to the next point. You should continue steadfastly. Because notice what he's saying. He's saying, what I have received, the way the Father has shown me, I show you. And the way I have shown you, you need to show your children. And the way they receive it, that came all the way from the Father to Jesus to you and down the line, you pass it on. Can you, can you hear what I'm saying here? And you need to remain steadfast in it. What does it mean to remain steadfast? That means to abide, to continue steadfastly, to remain, to endure. What does Jesus say about endurance in Matthew 24? He who endures to thee shall be. How important is endurance to God? Can I tell you, there are people that are lacking endurance right now. There is a great falling away that is taking place. And you say, but pastor, it must happen. Yes, it must happen because the Bible said it would. But you don't want to be part of that. Amen. How many of you would say, well, because it must happen, I want to be one of the ones that fall away. No, you don't want to be one of the ones that fall away. And ladies, can I just say, I want you to engage in the message because I don't want you at any point to say, well, this wasn't for me. This was for the guys. Can I tell you, we're all to endure. And I want to tell you another thing. It's okay for us to celebrate the guys for a day, isn't it? You know, most of the time, the ladies are the ones that understand this the best. 
Because I've never met one great gal, one great woman of God that says, bring me a loser. That's what I want. I want a real loser. <laughs> right? The girls get this the best. They're like, no, I'm a, I want to be a great woman of God, and I need a great man of God. Amen? And the way you become a great man of God is to continue steadfastly. That means don't give up. Even if you see others giving up, people are giving up in the weirdest ways. They're, they're, they're saying, well, you know, I know the Bible says it, but to me, who cares about you? You didn't save anybody. You didn't predict any miracles. You haven't performed any miracles. You haven't written any prophecy. Who are you? But to me, I just don't see how that should be a sin. Jesus never addressed it. I want you to think about this. He did address it. He did address what marriage should be. He did address that he made them male and female. That they should what? Leave each other's homes and be united as one. He hearkens back to that in the New Testament. He points back to the creative order. Who's the creator? Jesus is. All things were created by him and for him. He created by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now watch this, watch this. So he points back to the way he created things. He did address it. Yeah, but he didn't address it specifically. I want you to think about what you're saying. Are you saying that the king of all glory humbled himself, came to earth, and now should demean and degrade himself by listing every perversion by name and, and a detailed description of every perversion? You would be offended if I started listing it here. You would be offended. And Jesus wouldn't degrade himself to that. Instead, he said, this is the original. This is the genuine. This is what it is. Everything else is out of bounds. You go, but it's hard. Yes, life is hard. Yeah, but it's tough, and it's this, and it's that. Life is tough, this and that, and you need a man to say, you know what, submit to the power of the Holy Spirit, son. Submit to the power of the Holy Spirit, daughter. He changed me. He can change you. I live by his power, not in my own strength. It's by his power that we live. Amen? Continuing steadfastly. Steadfastly, men. Come on. See, if you keep my commandments, you will remain steadfastly. See, because so many people say, but, but, but his commandment is love. No, his greatest commandment is love. But can I tell you something? If you don't tell your children the truth, you don't love them. That's what the Bible says. A father corrects their children. A, a, a fatherly influence in this society is so necessary that we may continue steadfastly to say that's out of bounds. But you're not loving. No, loving is telling you the truth. Any mother, any father understands this. Come on, how many of us had children that like to pull away and run anywhere they wanted to? Raquel was the world's worst. She'd pull away and take off running, and she had these beautiful little curls. She looked like she still does. And they would fly in the wind, and they would bounce, and I thought they were so gorgeous. And I just said, you know what? I love her too much to correct her. Just let her run out in the middle of oncoming traffic, whatever it is. 
don't you ever pull away from my hand again. We've talked about this. Yes, yes, daddy. You're such a tyrant. You're such a hateful. You're so judgmental. And you're, you're so, such a bigot. You don't let. Come on. Come on. Come on. Where are my men at? See, what I'm talking about is steadfastness. I'm talking about choosing for yourselves this day whom you will serve, but to choose wisely, to let your mind be renewed in the word of God. The Bible says if you don't have your mind renewed, it will be darkened. And what's happening today, there is a darkening of our understanding and a hardening of our heart. That You can read all about it in Ephesians chapter 4. And he says, you need to what? You need to submit to God so that he might renew your mind. So that you will not get a depraved mind like the rest of the society that is falling away. Why? Because Christians have not been the salt they're called to be. Think about it. Salt was so valuable in ancient times. They didn't have refrigeration. They couldn't say, well, I'm going to just go down to H-E-B, grab some steaks, throw them in the fridge, and wait for Father's Day. They had to cure them in salt, and salt preserved. We're called to preserve. In fact, it was so valuable in the ancient world, many Roman soldiers would take their salary in salt, their payment. That's why it's called a salary, salario. Do you hear the Spanish? What's sal? Salt. Salt. We're called to preserve. Can I get an Amen. So we're called to remember. Can I tell you, I'm the world's worst at remembering. Anyone else need to be reminded often? I lose my keys like daily. That's not anymore. Two years now, I don't lose my keys very often. You know why? Because I finally got smart and said, I need to put them in a drawer. Can I tell you, that's the same as getting smart and saying, I need to what? Read my word daily. I need to spend time with my God daily because this world is working on me, working on my attitude, working on my understanding, trying to darken my understanding so that I can what? Fall away and not remain steadfast. And so we're called to remain steadfast. So so I want to share something with you. You know why I changed this idea? Because God has done some amazing miracles for me with my keys. I'm talking about amazing miracles. I mean, he's had me find my keys in places. The most, one of the most impressive was on a mountain. And it's on Pagosa or Wolf Creek Mountain. We had skied all day. It was my first time skiing. I didn't remember to zip my, and I was in the rough. I was like in the deep snow. Because when you're not a good skier, you're all over the place. We get to the end of the day, can't find my keys. I'm worried to death because on this mountain, no one sleeps there. Everyone's heading out, and I'm left there going, how are we going to get home? Who do I call out here in this little spot? I mean, Pagosa's smaller than Bastrop. And, and I'm like, okay, i got to figure something out. And the mountain's like 40 miles away, and, and I'm saying, okay, what, what do we do? What do we do? And I just start praying, Lord, Lord, help me, God, in the name Jesus' name. And gee, come on, anyone ever pray a desperate prayer? And just then, God answered. The last guy coming down the mountain goes, I know what you're doing. You're praying. And I know why. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. He helped me find my wallet on Labor Day weekend on the Riverwalk, San Antonio. I'd taken my wife there and we were going to spend the whole weekend it was Friday our very first meal I reached I don't have my wallet and I'm like I'm going to mess up the whole weekend 
And so I start praying, God, please, please, please. You remember we were at Landry's, and I left her there at the bar. I said, God told me to go somewhere. Go look for this wallet. I took off. And I get to the Hyatt. God, I'm here. He told me to come to the Hyatt. Anybody turn in a wallet? No, sir. Oh, I missed God. I missed God. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I said, you said to come here. I'm sitting here. I'm, I'm just sitting in the lobby, and here comes a man with a fanny pack. How cool is that? A fanny pack and tube socks up to here. And he's like, been looking for you. And he pulls my wallet out of his fanny pack and he has my ID and he's been looking for me. And so I've been doing this for all my life. And then finally my son, little sense, right? What are you leaving and what are they receiving? He decided he didn't want to receive this. To him it was nonsense. He said, Dad, don't you want to pray for bigger things than lost wallets and keys? Can I get an amen? Don't you want to pray that Bastrop would be, don't you want to pray that the forces of darkness would, would be pushed back? Don't you want to pray that souls would be, come on. And that day I said, I got to be reminded to put my keys and this kind of stuff up because God has something more and I need to be steadfast about receiving what he has for me so that I may leave something great to my children. Amen. And so it says, choose for yourselves this day. Who are you going to serve? How are you going to live? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can I tell you, man, I've, I've laid down a big, big foundation, and now we're going to build quick. What do I mean by choose for yourselves? That means everybody gets a choice, what they're going to leave, what they're going to receive. But real men decide, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I believe that as a man, you shouldn't give your children a choice to serve the Lord. If they're in your house, they serve the Lord. As for me and my house, Joshua did not say, well, as for me, but, but let me check with my wife and my children. No, as for me and the whole house, they're going to serve the Lord. I can remember my dad said, if you're in this house... You're going to serve. I can remember saying, but dad, I'm 19. And I pay my own insurance. And he says, you can do more than pay your own insurance. You can pay your own food. You can pay your rent. You can pay your utility, your gas, your this, your that. He started listing so many bills, my head was spinning. And then he said this. He said, he said and you can go down the street to do it. Not in this house. Because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But I'm in college. Well, take your little butt back to college. But while you're in this house, you're going to serve the Lord. And you know what's so interesting? When To him, serving the Lord was not just coming to church. It's like, what are you going to do for God? How are you going to participate? So people have asked me, Pastor, why are all your children on the worship team? Because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the now, I don't want them just to come to church and fall asleep and be there with a bad attitude. No, you're going to learn to give God your best. Learn to play an instrument. Learn to shake somebody's hand. Learn. I love when I see our children serving. So I said, okay, Dad, put me in the baddest, meanest, most blessed ministry. I want it. I want to be blessed. Where do I get the biggest blessing? Isn't that something? When you challenge your children, they love it. They love it. And that's what I did. I said, okay, you say you want to bless me, and I'm going to be blessed if I serve the Lord? Then, then put me where I get the biggest blessing. Somebody needs to say that to the Lord. Put me where I get the biggest blessing. You want to know where? 
children's ministry. So I said, okay, give me the worst class. Give me the worst class. And I remember going in there and I said, new sheriff in town, guys. No, I'm just kidding. I said, guys, I get the beautiful privilege of being your teacher for the next year. And I started clapping. I said, we're going to have some good times. We're going to learn about Jesus. Everybody, yeah. We're going to make it like Astro World up in here. And they said, what? Oh. That's when Astro World was respectable. Okay. And so um, they got all excited. I said, I want to know what your favorite candy is. And I thought they were going to say like chiclets or the little, uh, the little Mexican candies that are cheap. I can go down to the little Mexican market and just buy a whole bunch of them. No, they wanted candy bars. So I splurged. I, I spent my whole budget on candy. Boy, they ate candy and cotton candy and popcorn. And we, oh, they were, one of them threw up. Another broke a window. A fight broke out. They were sliding down the stairs in boxes. I mean, it was nuts. Man, we had a good time until my dad said, <laughs> you're not only going to kill our children's ministry, you're killing the whole building. You're about to burn it down. But I like your energy. Let me direct it. And I had a senior leader come in and start teaching me how to do children's ministry. Can I tell you, don't let the I don't know what I'm doing stop you. Get in there and somebody will come along and say, let's fix this, let's tweak this, let's take care of this. But ultimately, God will be exalted because it's about obedience. It's about obedience. And so the Bible says, leave a legacy. Be steadfast, right? Continue steadfastly. How? In obedience. Watch what the Bible says. If you keep my commandments, you will abide. You will continue steadfastly in my love. And so what we want to do is endure to the end. The way we endure to the end is get used to being obedient. And can I tell you, men, if you want your children to obey, you need to exhibit obedience. As you obey and receive from the Father, then you can pass that on to your sons and daughters in obedience. Watch, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, I want you to keep my commandments. Do you see that? Because obedience begets obedience. Rebellion is witchcraft and it begets more witchcraft. More witchcraft. And so what do we mean by obedience? I want to highlight a couple of things. One of the obedient things we need to do is show up to church. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. Let me just translate that in super easy terms. Don't get into habit of skipping church as some are in the habit of doing. Instead, come and exhort one another. What does it mean to exhort? It means strongly encourage. That means bring out the best in each other. Bring out the best in each other. Iron sharpening iron. Men getting to be better men. Walking out fatherhood in a God-honoring way. Amen? Women doing the same. Especially as you see Christ getting closer and closer in his return. How about this one? Abstain from all appearance of evil. That means walk it out in righteousness. That's what it means to keep God's commandments. As you keep those commandments, then God will bless your socks off. How about this one? Flee from all sexual immorality. Can I tell you there is an explosion 
Everyone listen to me. We're almost done. There is an explosion of witchcraft in our nation. It's all over the place. And I've openly said witchcraft and Satanism is, is spreading like wildfire. You want to know one of the reasons it's spreading like wildfire? Because there was a generation that thought that stuff was cute. It's not cute. Harry Potter is not cute. It's demonic. And I can remember arguing with a pastor who was on staff saying, ah, it's not that big a deal. Well, we've gone 20-something years. How big a deal is it? It's everywhere. And can I tell you something else? Witchcraft is always, always associated, and so is demonic activity, with the perverted. How many of you know what happened at Dodger Stadium with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence? If you do not know what happened at Dodger Stadium, raise your hand. Let me give you a quick uh, rundown. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are an activist group that do protests through satirical comedy. They are transvestite men dressed as nuns. They went to Dodger Stadium. They received an award even. But prior to receiving their award, they had a demonstration where they put a man on a cross to resemble and look like Jesus Christ. And then they did a striptease on top of the cross doing vulgar, nasty things to the individual that was representing Jesus Christ. Flee sexual immorality. Why? Why? Watch. Because sexual sin gets in here. And it changes here and here. And the enemy knows that. That's why he's more interested in pushing that sin than any other sin. It's right there. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But sexual sin changes you inside. And that's why they say, but I feel, but I was born, but I was. It's, you've been darkened. You've been changed. Christ can change it back. But we have to be bold enough to tell the truth. To tell the truth. Amen? Because ultimately God wants to leave us with joy. Watch, the, watch this. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. I, want, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but he talks about two joys here. Two joys. Watch. These things I have spoken to you that my joy or his joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. You know what I loved about my father? I still love about him. And you can ask my, my family here. He's super corny, isn't he? He says some really corny jokes and says some really crazy things, but it's the way he expresses his joy. And that's the one thing I've always remembered him being joyful for the most part. Even in some of the darkest times in his life, he was still joyful. And can I tell you, dads, that's super important in a world where we are experiencing a pandemic of depression and anxiety. We need to teach our children how to be joyful. How can you teach a child how to be joyful? You have to be joyful, remember? You cannot pass on what you didn't first receive. And what you receive from the Father, you pass on to the Son. 
And, and then children, you have to choose to receive that joy. Watch. That my joy re- may remain in you. What do you mean by that? Well, in Romans it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Isn't it interesting that the more you believe his word and the more you walk by faith, the more you're going to have joy. It's right there. He'll fill you with joy when you believe. And so when you are, watch, steadfast and obedient, joy will begin to overflow. And the joy of the Lord will be your strength. But watch this. So that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in hope. Now, what is this thing about hope? Watch. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And steadfastness, what? Will have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. I could show you in the book of Romans chapter 5 where he says that your, your testing will produce perseverance, which is the same thing here. Steadfastness is perseverance. Perseverance goes to what? Faith. Faith turns into hope. And then hope turns into a love relationship with the Father. But joy is smack dab at the beginning. Why? Because God is going to give you a certain measure of joy so that you might be able to handle your problem with a good attitude. And fathers, that's what's most needed. Because some of us, I'm just going to be honest, I've been in this, in this predicament. When I get stressed, I, start, I started getting unjoyful. And I get worried and I get unjoyful. But then I remember what I received from my father. And I remembered that, you know what? One of the reasons I love going on vacation with family is because of my father's joy. One of the reasons I loved hanging out with my father because of his joy. And he made things fun for us kids. And he's a larger than life character. And so I'm like, man, I want to be that in my home. Amen. I want my children to remember, man, my dad made life joyful. And you know what? Joy has nothing to do with how much you have or don't have. Because I can remember being dirt poor, but my dad never showed it. And we never felt it. And we never knew it. Why? Because of his joy. Amen? And so we're talking about joy. And ultimately, God will restore your joy. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm I'm a little depressed. I'm not going to get on you. I'm going to tell you, you don't have to live that way. Pastor, I'm stressed. I don't know how to have joy. Can I ask you to go and write this down? It's the most, one of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture. And it's King David's cry to the Lord when he was in the middle and battling depression. It's in Psalms 51. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. What is that? May the God of hope bless you. This is what's called the blessed hope. The blessed hope is knowing with certainty. That's what hope means, with certainty that you are saved. And then being filled with the joy. What does that mean? I'm filled with the overwhelming, amazing sensation to trust in that blessing. Not just to know it, but to feel it. And if you want to feel it, you got to start praying this prayer. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Rest- uh, your salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, O oh Lord. 
and then ultimately, fathers, receive a blessing that you might pass it on. So this is where we finish. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Think about how awesome that is. If you're here today, you're not here by accident. God chose you. He drew you. Can I tell you, God loves you so much. Fathers, mothers, men, women, you are so valuable to God that he chose you and he called you by name. You're saved because God loved you. Watch. We love him because he first loved while you were lost and dead, while you were still a sinner, God died for you. That's what the Bible says. And his plans are to bless you. Behold, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. What kind of plans are they? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Watch, listen to what Jesus says here. I chose you and appointed you that you should be fruitful, that you should be what? Prosperous. I want you to increase. I want you to go forth and multiply and fill the earth with my blessing. I want my Christian families to grow. I want them to experience. I want them to enjoy life. I've made all things for you to enjoy. And this is a beautiful thing, for I know the plans I have for you to prosper you and not to harm you. Someone look at you to your neighbor and say, I'm going to prosper in Jesus' name. I'm going to prosper in Jesus' name. Now, this is where we finish. And that your prosperity, and more importantly, your children should remain. What do you mean remain? See, so many times we get this idea that, that at any moment, God wants to rip all our blessings from us. God say, No. I've ordained for you to be prosperous and for that prosperity to go from generation to generation to generation. That your children should have a double portion of what I gave you. That their faith should grow. That their love for me should grow. That their steadfastness and strength should grow. That their influence should grow. That none of them should be lost. None of them should be lost. Amen? And this is where we finish. God, go in the blessing of the Lord. Go in the blessing of your, the Lord. It's your birthright. My question is, that's what he has left as a legacy for us. Are you ready to receive it? And if you receive that from the Lord, will you also pass that on to your children? So years ago when my grandfather died, who was a minister, he was a Baptist minister and started hundreds of churches throughout Texas. Thousands were saved. What I didn't know is the very man that called me to ministry, he prophesied over me in a very miraculous way, was a young man who accepted the Lord under my grandfather's preaching. I didn't find that out until my grandfather passed. Isn't it funny how God works? And so at his funeral, I got to preach this, and I also preached it to you, but it's about Hank Williams Jr., and he has a song called Family Tradition. How many of you are familiar? And the song says, Hank, why do you drink? Hank, why do you all smoke? 
Why must you live by the songs that you wrote? Well, stop and think it over and put yourself in my unique position. If I get, and man, you know it too good. <laughs> well, pastor, so do you. If I get stoned and, and sing all night long, it's a family tradition. Think about how sad that is. And I'm not making fun of the family or casting no ill will towards them. What I am saying is that's sad. I don't care who you are, how famous your, your, uh, your father is. His father died in the back of a Cadillac at the age of 29 from an overdose. That's sad. That's not the legacy I want to be a part of. Instead, Pastor, why do you preach? And why do you teach? And why must you live by this blessed hope, his word? Why? Well, stop and think it over. Put yourself in my unique position. If I get inspired by the Spirit of God and preach all night long, it's a family tradition. Amen. Amen. Leave your children a good legacy. Dads, you're important. Dads, we love you. Dads, we care for you. And we need you. We need you. Amen. We need you. So with one voice, Lord God, we your children, rise up and call you blessed. Thank you for our blessed hope. Thank you for joy and the blessings of your goodness. God, thank you. Lord Jesus, until you return, we celebrate the great honor of being saved by your finished work at the cross. What we also receive, we pass on to our children. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you. Have a great, great week.